Welcome to A Couch Divided, where secular psychology meets a Christian worldview with Dr. Robin Hall and Nick Thomas. Okay, Nick, sit back and relax. And if you can't, we need to talk about that. (laughs) Prepare to be couched. Everybody, this is Nick Thomas, and I'm accompanied by Dr. Robin Hall, and uh, we're about to introduce a topic uh, that we recorded in uh, August of last year of 2020, uh, talking about uh, identity and the uh, self. The self, yeah. Right. We originally planned to release this series as the first in our podcast, but then um, felt really led to discuss the psychological repercussions of COVID. So that's why we gave. We decided to to kind of bank these episodes and then until now to release them. So right, we really wanted to stay relevant in you know current events. Uh, Psychovid, our last series, really you know brought about you know all the psychological reper- repercussions um, and what people are dealing with in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, but then in this topic, we're talking about identity uh, identity is actually something that stays with you for the rest of your life so you can't get more relevant than that right true um, it's and, always relevant right and here on a couch divided we you know we we want to show what a secular psychology would say uh, and we're gonna be talking about Freud and what he chalked you up to mm-hmm. and then we're gonna also be talking about the image of God and what God says that you are, are as well now, in this podcast, we had a different name uh, for the podcast. Right. So this is our grassroots. These are our first two episodes that we recorded. And um, we were originally toying around with calling the podcast Couched. Um, and then some research brought to light that uh, a very like liberal feminist propaganda yeah. <laughs> um, uh, podcast in New York had already taken that name and and after, ruined it well yeah but after <laughs> praying about it we really we settled on a couch divided and like we think we like that a lot better anyway, well you so. know we were thinking like you know house divided against itself right not stand right and you may have not realized that with the couch divided because <sighs> even in the name it shows that we're drawing and dividing a line between right. secular psychology and biblical counseling right uh, but uh, a house divided against itself cannot stand, right? Mm-hmm. So even if we adopt concepts or at least the view of human nature in secular psychology, this is not to say that secular psychology uh, techniques or the empirical evidences of the mind that we disassociate ourselves with. I think that uh, that's proper and true science. But if you look at uh, all the major approaches they do or traditionally held um, a view of human nature uh, they're kind of deviating uh, from that nowadays but um, and substantiating everything you know off a of diagnostic criteria but Freud had a view of human nature 
And yeah, he. I mean, he he it. had a he had a structure like a he he structured the self, and everybody is probably familiar with some of the more basic concepts that we're going to talk about, like the ego, id, ego, and super ego. Those are pretty familiar. Yeah, the psychosexual terms. nature of you. Like um, that, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. So you'll hear couched referenced throughout the pot these two episodes. So just you know, remember that that was what we were considering calling the podcast at first and we recorded these episodes back in august of 2019 so um we really hope you enjoy and let us know what you think yeah let us know what you think uh-huh. that's all we can ask for you uh-huh. if you're not thinking anything you don't really need to be listening in the first place <laughs> all right enjoy the episode no but i believe that uh, the reason why we're doing a, a podcast especially on psychology is because uh, christians don't know what to do with mental health uh, we believe in mental health. We understand there's depression. We understand there's trauma. We understand all the dregs and the cogs of the human condition. Right. But then what does God say about it? And I'm thankful to be with uh, uh, Robin Mindhunter Hall, <laughs> which is her given nickname, uh, 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 given the uh, the celebrity status that she has with other podcasts. <laughs> and hopefully we can uh, just trump that. <laughs> right. We're very hopeful. Um, so yes, welcome to this, our first episode series um, on Couch. Uh, much Ado About Self. We uh, figured that this was a really appropriate topic for kind of the cultural climate that we're in currently. Um, and our hope in this podcast is to really bridge, you know, a gap um, that is in existence. I don't think many people would argue that the gap doesn't exist. Um between mental health understanding, you know, practical application of, of mental health, um, I don't know, cures, would that be a good way of describing Well, that? you know, in the secular society, there is no cure. There's just remission. Right. right. But in the biblical worldview, there is restoration and new creation. Right. We've, we've got the answer here, and the answer is Jesus. So, so just as we're saved and being saved, you're cured and and being cured. cured right <laughs> so we're going to kind of squash hopefully a lot of misinformation out there and give people a really solid foundation to view issues of mental health um you know different uh disciplines and sub sub disciplines of psychology um and like i said i don't think there's any better place to start than with self so i guess kind of launching right into it um, so get over yourself and listen. <laughs> right. Sit yourself down on the couch and listen to what we have to say. Uh, this is very inviting. It seems like we're just totally rude <laughs> coming right out of this uh, with our listeners. And you'll hear us talk about secular approaches. And I have an affinity towards a gestalt approach, which is kind of rude counseling, yeah, if you think about it. But it, it puts people on the spot answering questions that they really didn't think through when they say they feel like something you know sure. i feel like this i feel like a loser i feel and they identify themselves by their emotions and feelings and you simply ask them are you and then they don't know what to say after that <laughs> or they leak something like oh yeah i really don't believe oh, that I, or <laughs> i i do believe it i'm just not aware i did yeah on our couch we are very straightforward throat punching direct to uh, the heart of the issue which we hope everybody will appreciate um so nick um Nick, the image bearer, Thomas. That's Is that my nickname? That's your image nickname. Bearer. Yeah, from now on. Good. Um, we secretly I... discussed that beforehand, and so <laughs> I'm lying. I'm not surprised that she said that whatsoever. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> um, anyway, what? so if I was, if you were coming into therapy with me, so um, we're not going to go too much into background today. You guys are going to be able to look all that information up on our biographies online. Yeah. Um, but I am a doctor of clinical psychology. I have a lot of experience in psychotherapy and research. 
Um, so that is the expertise that I bring to this conversation. I am also saved um, by God's grace alone. So, um, And uh, me, I'm just a lay counselor, uh, a former itinerant preacher, a creature of the word, and of course a, a brethren within the, uh, the, the confines of the children of God. And uh, everybody should be able to exhort anybody uh, through, uh, uh, through scripture. I love psychology. I love counseling. Uh, that is the degree that I'm pursuing. Um, and so I do have something to bring uh, to this uh, conversation, if only to feed off of the great doctor sitting in front of me. <laughs> well, and us being good friends also has a little bit to do with our uh, dynamic oh, back and forth. So. Are you saying you're a little biased there? I'm, I'm slightly biased. Just slightly biased? Just, just okay. slightly biased. All right. Well, just, we'll get that on the table right now. <laughs> All right, Nick. So um, if I asked you to define self, what would you say? How if would you define self? Well, there's actually two things that I want to say about that. Okay. okay so uh, if you were to ask me four years ago, I would have told you I don't know that there is no such thing. Oh. That was very nihilistic that the only self that I had to go off of is the things that I liked and the things that I did and then my biological structure, okay. which is what we're going to get into uh, further in the podcast of what the world actually says about that. And there are many definitions uh, coming from the world. Now uh, that I am saved by Christ, a new creation in him, and I think that you can hone in on that new creation, what that means, is that I realize that I'm an image bearer of God, made in the likeness of God. Um, all people, I believe, are made in the image of God, worthy of love, dignity, and respect, and I will hone that and pound that into your heads any every episode that right. we actually... Hence, yeah. you know, Nick, the image bearer. Yeah, and it's one of the most important things... Uh, when we talk about metaphysics um, uh, that one could obtain. But then there's also another category. Uh, though everybody is created in the image of God, not everybody belongs to God. And we see that in the first chapter of John, is that the people who can call themselves sons or daughters of God are the ones who actually repented and put their faith in Jesus Christ. So there is another category uh, existentially that I uh, affirm, which is I'm not only an image bearer of God, but I am a son of God. Uh, and that transcends uh, the most harshest reality uh, because when emotions come to plague you and the emotions will make you feel like something, we don't negate that. Right. But that feeling, if it's not cohesive with the truth of you being an image bearer and a son or daughter of God, then it should be rejected or at least geared towards the truth uh, right. of that. Uh, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, but I am, and this is who I am, regardless of what I'm doing. If this uh, podcast is not running, if I don't have a job, if I, whatever I'm doing or whatever I'm not doing, that identity does not leave me. So therefore, um, it's a foundation that cannot break. And I think I relate to the words of Jesus Christ, who says, if you listen to my words, you're like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. But if you don't, you're sinking sand. And delving into the, di uh, uh, you know, to the, uh, to the fields and to the depths of psychology, we see a lot of sinking sand uh, coming from people because of this category of self. Right. So, so, so well said. Um, I think w our goal here is to really draw a distinction between what modern culture, what modern Western culture, we're American, so we're speaking from that perspective, how it defines self, the concept of self and everything related to it in contrast to what God says about self. And um, I love that you brought up like these two distinct um, understandings of self you know, you before you were a renewed creation in Christ and then now how you, you know, identify and value self 
in accordance with what God says, which is that you're an image bearer. And, and really, I mean, uh, all uh, all the categories that we know about soteriology or salvation in Christ, and that's what soteriology would stand for, is the, the process of salvation, is that Jesus begins with it, you need to be born again. Right. You need a new heart. And what's that mean? And we know the passages, if you're reformed, if you have any kind of affinity towards church at all, you understand the pa- these passages in Ezekiel and Jeremiah talking about a new heart of flesh, being washed with the water, talking about the go- uh, God's law on your heart that you may not turn away from him and that he would be yours and you would be his um, kind of thing. And that's a heart change that gave me that new perspective right. on identity. Uh, and it started with knowing who God is and not really knowing who I am. Right. Because so, knowing who you are becomes kind of in, inconsequential in that moment. It's really meaningless right. without without some kind of, um, you know, precursor to who I am. Right then there's no point. Uh, I have to come from somewhere, and that somewhere tells me who I am. And subsequently, that is God who right. has created man and women in his image. Right. So, yeah. uh, like, so as our pastor, Jeff Durbin, says, like, by what standard? So without sure. without God's standard, we have none. Um, the world likes to create all sorts of different standards. That was an elephant in the room. You can hear his voice say that, too, as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I want to dive like right into what our current culture says about self. So, okay. you know, we welcome everybody's feedback. We'd love to discourse with you guys about this. Um, there Should are, we do a trigger warning? <laughs> yeah. I mean, for any snowflakes listening, you guys might want to go get into your safe spaces. Um, I'm being so, sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you can tell. Yeah. Um, so the way that our culture defines self is very much in line with what Nick just said, which is in a sinking sand sort of foundation. Um, A person's essential being, um, something, the things or thing that distinguishes themselves from other would be the Merriam-Webster's definition of self. Um, So that uniqueness to each individual which we're going to talk about kind of the um, irony involved with that versus um, intersectionality a little bit later, um, which seeks to <clears throat> to kind of make everybody the same, at least in our opinion. So self um, as a noun, like I said, a person's essential being that distinguishes them from others, especially considered as the object of introspection or a reflexive action. Um, so I guess that's a bit, bunch of mumbo jumbo. Um, but it, the, the point there is that it's very subjective. Right. In modern culture, you get to define self. Right. Um, and, you know, we talk about, um, as Christians, we talk about when we define God on our own terms, when we define anything on our own terms, essentially what we're doing is we're making ourselves God in that right. moment, um, which is what we do when <laughs> we allow our subjective definitions to determine who we are. Right. And this is what uh, Romans 1 talks about, giving, uh, being given over to a debased mind and believing a lie kind of thing. If you don't start with that precursor to what we said, that standard, which is God, right, then you end up believing a lie because all you have is your own mind and your own set of values, which you fall even short to those things. Right. Um, and so that twists up self. It really does. As well. I mean, so I mean, what do you believe about that? What you place value on is what then determines your self-esteem, your self-worth. So I thought it would be kind of interesting to talk about some of the different concepts that make up self, um, just according to, you know, popular culture. Because you kind of hear these, like, buzz phrases or buzz buzzwords a lot. Um, a lot of, especially in, like, the self-help community, in the positive, positive psychology, positive, just positive affirmation kind of 
um, disciplines, so like self-esteem is a big one. Most people are familiar with self-esteem or at least have heard that term. And we're now really indoctrinating like our littlest kids, especially in school with this these kinds of concepts. So even like your young kids are probably familiar with that concept. Um, self-esteem, self-compassion, self-acceptance, self-respect, um, self-worth, that kind of stuff. Um, self-value. So we're going to get into, uh, get into all of those different kind of really nuanced, but not so nuanced in reality, um, different, different concepts. And then we're going to debunk all of them. There you go. (laughs) I'm listening attentively right now because as soon as you said self-esteem and I go, okay, cool. This is going to be a big one as far as self-esteem goes because we see this in our culture of people trying to manipulate any kind of suffering that comes from, uh, you know, that comes upon you to make you feel low whatsoever. And and one of them, uh, one thing I delight about that though is that we we do live in a culture that wants to take care of each other. Right. Uh, They just don't know what the heck to do about that and they end up subsequently actually damaging that person a little bit more right well we want to take care of each other but with all of the like doctrine of intersectionality what we really want to do is out suffer each other yeah there you go <laughs> um you know <laughs> it, and it's people don't realize how utterly toxic that is and how the only freedom from it is in christ you know it's funny because that's the reverse thing what the scripture would say it was just to outdo each other in charity right but then they want to outdo each other in, in suffering, suffering. I, i'm more oppressed than you so i belong on this right. kind of scale i'm in yeah. this tier right yeah. so you might be like an african-american lesbian well i'm an african-american lesbian transgender who was adopted Oh, wow. And redhead. And redhead. <laughs> With freckles. Right? I don't know so, if that's a, is that a scale on the intersectionality? I don't redhead? think specifically. Um, I mean, physical appearance might be, you, could pre- you probably could put that into physical ability versus disability. Because we'll say blonde brunette and we didn't think anything of it. Right. Uh, not, not, not really nowadays, but if you say ginger. Right. <laughs> and you're like, oh, he's a ginger. Very loaded. It, it comes with a personality trait. Blonde too, but not so much anymore. Maybe back in the 90s, but like not so much. <laughs> There's a tons of blonde jokes, but no. <laughs> brunette jokes uh-huh. uh and then ginger is just you know uh, just be you know it, you either think a ginger is disgusting or you think a ginger is fiery redhead right. or you, whatever like there that, are, you know? we have stereotyped personality traits and features that go with each one of those categorically right Ooh, what creates that i'm not exactly sure <laughs> i mean it was created and it caught on you know yeah. actually i was just watching i can't remember what season it was a uh, bob's burgers and there was a whole episode with a blonde joke linda goes and dyes her hair blonde and uh, she's suddenly nobody takes her seriously and she's an idiot and and it's funny Um, yeah and also completely ridiculous which you know kind of circles back to our point around all this stuff so um, self-esteem is you know by all intents and purposes confidence in one's own worth or abilities so Nick image bearer outside of Christ where does one gain confidence in their own abilities (laughs) Um, what basically by doing, I mean, it's going to, because that's all you have is by doing. And there is some truth to that, uh, too, as well. God has created our bodies, um, amazing that we do reap rewards when we're successful in things that we do. Um, and that's called a dopamine, uh, dopamine (laughs) spike. So a neurotransmitter fires off and you're like, dude, I'm good at this. And you receive a award and you want to keep doing that. Um, it's very uh, reinforcing and it's not so much uh, that people will act differently outside of Christ as far as that goes it's just they have no justification or validity to land on that you know they may identify themselves by their job and they get good at it and so they'll go okay I'm a doctor
doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm this. But if you take that away, who are they? And they can't, they can't land on that rock. Right. They may invent something in the uh, in the you know in the future that uh, they might lose that job right. um, and go well I'm more than that I'm I'm a man I'm I don't know you know it, it's going to be certain uh, particular attributes I knew myself I was a drug addict um, and so I wasn't going to actually go down that route right. I was just going to die I was just waiting to die so it doesn't matter who I am uh, eventually I'm just going to die um, and so that's fine right so uh, it's it's which is very nihilistic but yeah. Right, nothing matters, so you just do whatever to its own end. And that was what my affinity was, was nihilism. So I, um, as part of my, uh, well, during my training, my doctoral training, I did um, social security disability evaluations, um, like cognitive evaluations for people that were applying for disability. Um, And I saw this over and over and over again. I would have extremely educated people, doctors, lawyers, lawyers, so MDs, DOs, pharmacists, people that had trained and spent a lot of money on their education and training who were in a motorcycle accident mm-hmm. or a car accident or they were cleaning the gutters and they fell off a ladder and they suffered a, a traumatic brain injury. And now that thing that was their entire identity, their profession that required certain you know, neuro capacity is no longer functional anymore. And these people were just utterly destroyed, which is what happens when you build your identity on sand and not the solid rock of Christ. Mm-hmm. So, And you, you'll hear words are like, I don't feel like my old self anymore, or I don't feel like I, I used to be. I'm not me anymore, which means that they did have a prior definition that they actually remember. Sure. But because they understand that they don't feel like that anymore, then it's foregone. It's gone. It's, right. it's disavowed when they, by... Yeah. by the cognitivity so yeah. Well, yeah when they lose that that primary component that made up their identity they have no idea what to do right. and it, it it was heartbreaking to watch um and i you know very empathetically related as somebody who spent a lot of time and money studying in this field um the thought of no longer being able to do this that i had spent so much time doing i really related to the despair that's possible there um, and it was extremely convicting because it caused me to divert my attention back to the solid rock. Right. You know, my identity remains the same as a Christian, mm-hmm. no matter what happens to me externally. Yeah, you're, uh, you're being made in the likeness of God. Uh, does not change because your personality has changed right. or because you have a because your, your ability has changed yeah, exactly you take a quarter of your brain out you're still an image bearer of right. god now your physical being has changed sure. um as far as how you act and interact and think um but your soul has not right your and your worth has not because your worth as a christian you understand your worth is completely founded in the fact that you're an image bearer of God. Right. And that never changes from, you know, the day of conception to the day of death. And he breaks that down. Genesis 1.27, he created man and women in his image. Genesis 5, um, uh, God created man. He made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created and he blessed them and named them man uh, when they were created. And... um, and that's it, awesome because this now equivocates image of God, likeness of God, image of God, likeness of God. And a likeness is an immaterial thing manifesting itself empirically. Right. So this is both material 
end in material. So just because something happens to your material right. does not necessarily mean that the totality of you has actually changed in what you are and who you are. Right. Yeah. Unless you don't have a biblical standard, which is what most of our current culture, at least popular culture, is operating right. within that d- dimension. And so- spirituality is just some kind of ethereal pursuit of peace and not really the nature of who you are right you you keep those two things separate and they may even claim that there's some kind of metaphysical being um as well especially in the new age they talk about metaphysics all the time Mm -hmm. they usually equivocate it to deity instead of uh being made in the likeness of god they are god uh but they're very weak gods because they die um, they act as if there is no God. They have atheistic concepts or agnostic concepts of ontology, Big Bang, evolution, all believe in that kind of thing. Right. And not every one of them. I, you know, not all P's or Q's sure. uh, here, but just <laughs> most are. Um, <laughs> uh, most P's are Q's. Um, but um, but uh, it's so it, it, they're not logical in their metaphysics. Uh, they'll equivocate uh, something that is really attractive. Like being God is attractive. Like, sure. you know, okay. If that was an actual reality, it'd be awesome, <laughs> but it's not. Um, unless so, you're Mormon. Yeah. Then, <laughs> unless you're Mormon. Yeah. That, is, that is a reality. Yeah. But, but think about that too, as well. It's because it's a, not a reality. Um, man wants it. Right. We want what we can't have. Right. You know, we want to be God, which is the whole point of the fall. And it, it, Genesis 3. right. Yeah. That pride, that, that that thing of being being kept out that like FOMO fear of missing out yeah. that's what it reminds me and, and people are, how can anybody think they're God I'm like well did you read Genesis right. three <laughs> and, well and the truth is is that we make ourselves God all the time yeah. every every moment that you define your own self worth you are making you are elevating yourself to the place of the creator yeah that's and it's just a, the truth and it's a simple metaphysic in anthropology it's uh, a Image of God, uh, of a son of God, or sinner. Right. Um, and that is in all of our uh, anthropological nature. Anthro, you, you can hear the, the human word and, and the study of human nature. And our nature is that of a sinful being. We don't like that either. Right. And so we'll do anything that we can to get away with it, like make ourselves God. Well, and modern, like modern culture, pop culture would completely and does completely rebel against sinful nature you, you hear stuff like this all the time these colloquialisms of like we're all good we really just have each other's best interests at heart um people really are good deep down and the truth is is that that's garbage right you know um and we actually have a, a standard for that so um what we are we're one of the things we plan to do in the podcast is is recommend different books and documentaries and stuff for you guys to to take a look at um, Ali Beth Stuckey, who is a favorite of both the image bearer and mine, uh, wrote a book, um, yeah, you know, a book that's really, really interesting. Um, you know, you're you're not good enough and that's OK. And that's kind of the whole underlying concept of what we're talking about here um, when we move into like our, the biblical worldview of self and self-worth. Um, but yeah, we we elevate our self-esteem all the time by making ourselves the creator. Um, and we put emphasis on the need to feel worthy by earthly standards. Mm-hmm. Again, that's building this very flimsy structure on sand. Mm-hmm. And you see a secular, uh, secular society uh, actually doing that too as well. Uh, they'll put it's uh, they'll put in the uh, the phrase it's it's okay um, at the end of everything like it's okay not to be okay. Right. And some of that is true. Uh, it's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. Right. And we call that uh, sanctification uh, inside the Lord. But as far as your 
uh, worth uh, goes or uh, you being worthy of receiving the grace of God, um, you are not. You're Why? Not. Because we've talked about the sinful nature and it's by grace that you're saved. So you're not worthy of that grace, but right. for some reason you have it. Right. If you're a Christian, you have it. And that you really should boost your self-esteem. Right. If, we, if there is such a thing as self-esteem, <laughs> that should boost it because the God of the universe whom you've offended loves you. Loves you when he should not yeah exactly so it's not so much that you're worthy it's it's, it's he is it's that christ is worthy. yeah and he knows your name mm -hmm. so. it's really it's fabulous so look, it's it's so interesting because once you like slough off all that extra unnecessary uh the robes that you put on your like self-righteous robes that are real, really just trash you actually have something so much more beautiful right which is christ righteousness so so, yeah, there are a lot of components to self-esteem. Um, a lot of the big names in psychology, uh, and we'll have like a list of um, different articles that you guys can reference if you're interested in looking at it more, um, talk about things like self-compassion, self-acceptance, um, self-kindness, self-care is another big buzz term that you hear a lot. Self-care, yeah. yeah. Uh, in in current, current culture. Um, so self-compassion would, you know, be the extension of compassion to oneself, especially in instances where you perceive that you're being inadequate or where you're unworthy. Again, the Christian will immediately combat that idea because you don't need self-compassion when you have the compassion of God. Yeah, we hear a lot of that uh, self-compassion talk as, uh, you know, forgive yourself. Uh, or don't judge yourself uh, or anything like that. And those are nice sentiments, like forgive yourself. Sometimes you just can't let the past go. And I know what they mean by that. Sure. But if you are able to actually forgive yourself and then receive the peace that you need, then you just made yourself God right. again. You don't need a savior at that point. Listen, detest what you've done. Right. Uh, <laughs> you probably should. Salvation in Christ comes with no regrets right. because he's forgiven you. Right. Because he's forgiven you. Right. Not uh, because you've forgiven you. Yeah. Right. No, I love that. Like, it it doesn't matter. So existentially, what Nick and I are both saying is that we understand the sentiment of, of a statement like forgive yourself. Right. And, and it's all nice, touchy-feely, wonderful, and, and good. The problem with that is... You have no standard or ability to forgive yourself for anything. Yeah, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean. And in fact, it's your conscience that actually condemns you. Right. Uh, so try changing that without uh, a supernatural. Right, um, without any outside movement. intervention. Yeah. yeah. You will be treading water for the rest of your short life. Yeah. Essentially. So um, self-acceptance is another huge one that just contradicts, contradicts like any biblical idea that you, any true biblical like idea that we find in scripture. And, and we can nuance that, too, as well, because I accept the fact that I'm an image bearer of God and a sure. son of God. But I, I also understand that I'll, the only reason why I accept that is because I was given the heart to do that. Right. And as before, I couldn't. And so if you accept that heart of stone, well, then that's the the path that you're going to right. walk. And, and I think it's so self-acceptance with it in that, like if we're defining it that way is absolutely necessary. You must accept yourself yeah. as a sinner, as a rebel, as a hater of God, because if you don't, then you have no need for a savior. Yeah. Now what's to say uh, about the person that doesn't believe in Christ and has cognitive peace? Because well, it's out there, right. right? I mean, there's tons of atheists who are healthy in the mind. Sure. And I think like that. And so what are we actually saying that uh, by that? Uh, they are following a particular false doctrine that is actually leading them to condemnation. Sure. So that realization of their conscious condemning them right now, you can say is totally debased, totally confused, and leading them into the pit. Right. And you'll notice that in everybody's life, because no one escapes suffering, 
right? It, you ask somebody that and they go, no, no, no one will escape suffering. Everybody bleeds and nobody gets out of this world without right. bleeding. And so what does the atheist do to achieve that cognitive peace? Well, there's, you know, I don't have time to actually break that. If you have eight hours, we can <laughs> discover all that. But the line moves down on you uh, in your entire life. Once you achieve a, a, a particular uh, overcoming of suffering, there will be a new suffering, right? right? And so I believe that the atheistic standpoint or somebody that is foregoing Christ has to keep renewing that with a better truth, I guess. You know, break open a fortune cookie and then you have to break open 10 more to get that dopamine right. uh, and so that you can achieve that uh, cognitive peace. Read Chicken Soup for the Soul, you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, and uh, very 90s like, yes. right? The 90s had it down, <laughs> right? You're going to know what era we grew up in real quick. <laughs> uh, but you keep reading those things your whole life. And right now it's the power of now, right. accepting who the you are. The secret, yeah. yeah. And you, and you just have to keep like having a new concept every time a new suffering uh, that supersedes your old suffering comes right. about. And that's no way to live. Right. And this is why I love the the uh, immutable God, right? The unchanging God says the same thing in new sufferings. Right. And it never runs dry. Right. And because it doesn't, it never changes because it doesn't need to. Right, right. We have the perfect answer. Exactly. It's Jesus. He is preeminent. Right. That's Colossians 1. In the end, that he might be preeminent. Preeminent over your sufferings, right? Uh, the, uh, the apostles got Beat. It was beatings that they received and they rejoiced right. because right. of those beatings. Count yourself glad. Right? Yeah. When you are persecuted for righteousness. Right. It is, it's, it's so fascinating to me that, and it, it, it's such a juxtaposition too, prior to me, be, to, to my salvation, um, I was so angry about the suffering that I was enduring. You know, how, why? That was the question you ask, and it's it's you, it's not that you don't ask why you know following salvation, but you have an immediate answer once you're saved. But you just go, at least for me, I was so furious because I esteemed myself this creature that didn't deserve to suffer. And once you understand what God actually says, about, He promises us two things: He promises us Himself and suffering. Mm. That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and there's a there's a future glory. There's a future hope. Like uh, Paul said, if we hope in Christ today only, right. in this life only, we're the most to be pitied. Now, why is that? Well, just directly, just because of what you just said. You can go to any kind of religion or any kind of philosophical thought to gain a moral cognitive peace for today. Right. But what about tomorrow? Right. What about the next day? Or what about the end of days? If you believe that. Right. Right. Um. Is that you're going to carry that with you? You understand that uh, at the end of your life, you don't get to carry anything with you, making everything that you have only temporal, right. which is why Christ would, would say at the, at the woman of the well that the, the water you're drinking is actually will leave you thirsty again. But the, the, you drink the living water, water, you'll never thirst again. Right. It's the same thing. The bread of life, right, will never leave you hungry. hungry. Um, and so, you know, this is a Bruce Springsteen song. You know, everybody has a hungry heart. Well, that's true. Everybody has a hungry <laughs> heart. And you need a new one so you can be satisfied. Um, and, um, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Bruce. Bruce Springsteen, yeah. Uh, you're welcome, Bruce. If you're not popular anymore, you're, you are now. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. We'll take donations from Bruce's agent. Yeah. He's got plenty to go over. I'm sure he does. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, so um, this, this, the worldly concept of self-acceptance self is really about your individual satisfaction or happiness with yourself. So when you look to yourself for satisfaction and happiness, you will be let down every single 
time. And I don't like, I hope this challenges the people that are listening to it um, because you all know that that's true. Yeah. Anytime you've ever looked to yourself to find satisfaction, joy, happiness, contentedness, peace, it might work for an hour or two. We, we live in a world where people look to themselves as they're combing their hair and putting on their makeup because they can't accept what's underneath that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's such a great bridge into like self-worth too. So um, we're, one of the oh, things good. that I wanted to touch on for uh, what this whole conversation, there's a theory, a psychological theory called self-worth theory. Um, and it breaks down self-worth into four main elements. Um, so the model talks about an individual's ability, the effort they put forth, their performance, and then it defines self-worth very specifically as the fourth component. So I thought it was so, so interesting to, to actually read this psychological model because, again, it's all based on self-evaluation, which is sinking sand like we've talked about. Um, it's totally centered around your self-evaluated ability and of, of your performance and one or more activities that we deem valuable. Hmm. So if I deem selling drugs, which I did at one point as right. valuable and I do it really well, that was you, that was me. <laughs> You're oh, the person I, that I ran into. I knew I, I know recognized that. you, Nick. It's a chameleon. <laughs> um, so, te- but, but technically I know that we're being facetious, but really you can apply that to any activity. If a sex trafficker is really great at kidnapping kids, okay. So the problem with uh, in that is that there's no moral foundation. Right, there's no moral foundation. So in our next episode um, in this series, we're going to talk about the historical concept of self. We're going to dive into Freud and Jung and some of the different um, philosophers. 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 I had that for dinner (laughs) last night. A philosopher. A philosopher and rice. Um, <laughs> philosopher and rice? Yeah. Isn't that what you eat with uh, yes. a falafel? Um, anyway, or well, whatever they would have, you know, eaten back in Socrates. Diner. I'm not even going to dive down into the depths of yeah. dietary Socrates era. <laughs> We're not going to chronicle that. <laughs> that would be an interesting Socrates's eatery. Right. Um, it's a good so, restaurant, though. So, like, ability, your ability to... Uh, perform in specific areas like we talked about before and how fleeting that is. So even if we take an, we use that same example that I gave earlier in my experience in working with uh, uh, disability evaluations, even if you work your whole life, you are a successful professional in some discipline, let's say you're a lawyer, eventually you're going to retire right? You don't ever have to suffer a traumatic brain injury or, you know, anything that takes away your ability to perform in that category. Are you talking about the patriarchal construct that says you have to retire at the age of 65 and draw social security? I am. I repent. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, like you're not, if let's say you're blessed enough to live healthy to the age of 90 years old, you're probably not going to be standing in front of a judge arguing a case at that age. Right. Probably not. Maybe. I mean, but probably not. So anything can happen. That's true, especially in our current culture. Right. Um, so what happened, and you see this over and over again in retirees. You also see it in, um, like, you've heard concepts like empty nest syndrome. When a mother's children leave her house and she's looking around for something to do. When your identity, when your self-worth and self-value is not centered or founded in Christ, you will always find depression and dis- despair, anxiety, because it's fleeting. Right. So. And, it, and, and that's making your children an idol. It right is. Right there. I'm gaining my self-worth 
by my parenting. Right. Um, and that's not to diminish like the importance of the good work that you do as a mother, yeah. right? Or as a father or in your job. Those are, those can be very God glorifying activities. And it's a, it's a kind of a saddening thing, you know, to, to see your children off right. into the world. Right. But it's also a rejoiceful thing because they're going off into the world. You've uh, had a hand in that right. and God has commissioned you for that. Those are the arrows that yeah. you are shooting out, right? Right. So um, I think we've talked, you know, we've kind of talked a lot about like what our current culture defines as self-worth and really at the foundation, it's that you define your value and you define your worth based on what you value. Um, And that's fleeting and it's like building an identity on sand and not on stone. So um, really fruitless and futile and despair causing, I think ultimately. Yes. Um, so Nick, what does Christ say about self-worth? We've touched on it a little bit. What does Christ say about self-worth? He doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) What does he say about our nature? Well, our nature is that of, uh, of original sin. Um, and so we see this in the, in Genesis, uh, that he gave Adam a particular command not to eat the fruit of the tree, right? Right. Uh, Of the tree of, uh, of, of, um, of good and evil, right? The tree of knowledge kind of thing. Um, and, um, he transgressed against that, right? Uh, Adam, uh, Eve was deceived by the devil. Adam, uh, listened to his wife right. and condemned all of mankind. And that was the first Adam that came, right? Oh, um, why I oughta. Yeah. And everybody, everybody says that, <laughs> sure. you know what I mean? It's like, how dare Adam, if I can it's go like, back and I'm You would like, have done the same I, I like, thing. You would have eaten yeah. that apple yeah, or whatever you want to call it. Too. Yeah. It, go ahead and get real. We're on the couch. Like yeah. you would have taken a bite of that apple And too. Eve probably was a knockout, gorgeous beauty. How could you say no? <laughs> right. That's what Adam was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be couched if I don't eat this I'm going to be couched if I don't. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to have me on the couch. But that of original sin. So that was what fractured. Now, the law actually represented God's righteousness. Right. It wasn't anything in the fruit or, or uh, that it says specifically. Uh, other than the fact that we... It was we, symbolic. The fruit was yes. symbolic. Other than we know that God's law actually reflects God's nature, that of a righteous and holy God, right? Perfect, and so we, right. we think about Socrates in the Euthyphro com- uh, a conflict, right? And I'll just... Uh, I'll, I'll go down a subcategory of this is uh, the gods delight in... Uh, do the gods delight in X because X is good? And if you say... Uh, yes, uh, then you're actually putting morality and goodness above God, and then you can forego the gods. This actually refutes polytheism, uh, really, because there is no reflective nature of multiple gods. But in monotheism, God hates thievery because God is not a thief, right? God delights in good because God is good. What Adam did was bad because it does not reflect God's nature. So our nature is that of doesn't reflect the image that we actually bear, which right. is God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so though we're made in his likeness, we, we run away from that likeness and then make up our own. Right? Oh, yeah. And, and subsequently, we make God into our own. Uh, we, we spit shine those golden idols of self. Exactly, right? exactly. And because uh, God has designed us a particular way, we can actually achieve the right chemical neurons firing off in a particular way to achieve what we've defined as peace for that moment, and it's a temporal peace. Right. Um, this is why God is always talking about the eternal promises and always talking about the cosmological picture in pretty much everything. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of him. The hope that you have is in the everlasting life in Christ Jesus, the resurrection of the dead. That's the goal. 
uh, right, is to achieve the resurrection of the dead. That's what we want. New heavens, new earth, fully consummated, uh, worshiping uh, Christ. That will be our new nature. Right. A glorified body. But until then, we are in a sinful nature. And with a new heart, we have the residue of the sinful nature, which we call the old man, and the new creation of the hope to come, uh, in which we are sanctified until that day uh, okay. of glory. So Christ would define us. Actually, I mean, he just straight up said you're evil. Right. <laughs> right. He's talking there about, are none, like none among you, right? He's talking about pouring out the Holy Spirit and saying uh, that God would give good gifts, right? But he parallels it with this. If man can give good gifts to his children, and you're evil, you being evil can give good gifts to your children how much more of a righteous god will give the holy spirit to people that right. ask and he's actually saying the holy spirit is a gift it's a comforter uh, he's the parakletos right uh he's the comforter the advocate the teacher uh, uh and uh, uh and he moves throughout our lives reminding us the things of christ and Christ, obviously, you know, we know that he's been sent by the Father. His death, burial, and resurrection lies within our hearts. Right. And um, and that is uh, that is our nature inside of Christ and outside of Christ. We just don't have that, and uh, right. we're only left uh, debased. So. so how do so how does the the notion, the concept of original sin, total depravity, how does that contradict our current culture? Well, because the current culture, and this is what I hear a lot, is that you're good. Right. You actually have good inside you. They don't, they don't ignore evil or the capability of being evil. Sure. Which is weird because in uh, most cultural thought and philosophical thought, it's complete determinism. Right. Now, we're, we're, we're formed in Calvinistic and soteriology, and we believe in a form of determinism because we do believe that God is sovereign and in control right. of everything. But we also see that we have a creaturely will, and that is compatible with the sovereignty of God. And right. so it, it, God governs ends as, uh, as well as means and means to those ends. Um, and so that's compatibilism, right? right. You're 100% free, but 100% determined at the same time, right. which in the uh, societal construct is that you're 100% determined. Right. But they also say that you're good mostly, but you have the capability of being bad. And they're alluding to actually free will choice right there. They really and, are. Which contradicts... Um, uh, a biological evolutionary construct. Which is so fascinating because that's the like dogma that they tout. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> it's true. So, so a biblical worldview actually contradicts what any popular psychological, um, what any pop culture psychology is going to tell you about self, which is that you are good enough, that you are unique and wonderful and, and everything about you makes you who you are. And that makes somebody feel good. It, yeah, know? absolutely. It's very frosting, yeah. right? Fluffy. <laughs> it's very fluffy. Um, the The problem with that is, is it's, it's just not true. No. Um, and I love this. Like you spend any time with even like a two-year-old and you understand total depravity, yeah. right? We are not good. We aren't. Um, if that violates some preconceived construct that you've got about your self-worth or self-value, your, your, what composes self, I, I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. The Bible, God's scripture is extremely clear. We are depraved. Yeah. Without Christ, we are not good. There is, you know, no like no good among you, no not one. Right. So how does a Christian handle depression when all of his emotions and all of her emotions are 
testifying to something that is not reality, right. but you feel so much like it is. And I, I don't want to degrade anybody. Christians can't suffer depression. Absolutely. One of the biggest prayers in my life is actually subsequently comes from a John Piper kind of idea of don't waste something. Right. Is that um, when I came to Christ, I had no dopamine. I had no serotonin. My body's um, uh, uh, physical being was shot because of what I've done to it uh, in drugs. And that left a lot of trauma. We'll talk about that in future episodes about trauma uh, related sure. things uh, that drugs do on your mind, that the memories and the, the past or the scarring. What the like biochemical you know, consequences of those things yeah. are. And so one of my biggest prayers when I accepted the sovereignty of God and I couldn't get over this depression that was actually what, what would be labeled now is clinical depression um, and uh, biological factors uh, working with that. I just had no reward system. The only smile that I had was Christ Jesus right. and the salvation. And that's all, that's all I needed at that point. Um, and it's all I need now. Um, but my one of my prayers were, okay, God, if you've given this to me, if you're not going to take this away, and I know it's not always going to be like this, right? don't let me waste my depression. Right. And I learned a lot within the dregs of a a frowning providence if right you want to oh i love that, that. i yeah. love frowning providence that's i think um you, you and you guys may have heard the sentiment before but it's not about avoiding suffering it's about learning to suffer well yeah how do we suffer well and so how do you be angry correctly how do you be sad correctly how, how do, you, do you, be... you have anxiety and not allow it to cross into a sinful yeah. um into sin and, and, and first you have to start off with the fact that if I'm going to say I have to do this correctly, then you're saying correct is actually equal with truth. And so you have to obtain that. And you have truth, to have a standard yeah. for truth. And remember, truth is not a concept. Truth is not some uh, merely an ethereal idea. What truth is, is a person. And it's Jesus Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way of life, the truth about life, and emphatically life himself. I love that. I want that on a mug. Right, yeah, I'm sure it is somewhere. <laughs> I need that you walk up. into a, a to a Christian bookstore if there are any left. And <laughs> the go truth find that. is Christ. I love that. It is. And it, it is. And and it's not. It's not. It, it's categorically ethereal and it's categorically a concept, but it's primarily a man. Right. And the God Man, Jesus Christ. Well, and outside of that, you come back to the same the same dirty origin, which is that you are the truth creator. Mm. Um. Out, separate from Jesus, outside of Jesus, you create your own truth. And I'm doing air quotes. If mm -hmm. You guys could see me. Um, that in and of itself elevates you to the status of creator. It's self-idolatry. Right. Um, and so like throughout the this whole podcast, we want to give you guys practical application for the stuff that we talk about. Um, in our next episode, we're going to focus on where where some of the um, modern ideas about self come from? We're gonna look at the the history of that, and we're gonna debunk a lot of the, what really it comes from, like an evolutionary viewpoint um, about about self and, and how we've kind of come to where we are. And then we want to give you guys some practical like application stuff on on what to do um, with feelings of inadequacy with feelings of failure and not being good enough. Um, and, you know, our goal here is not to diminish anybody's feelings. Our goal here is to remind you that feelings are just that. 
feeling. They are not factual. They are not permanent. Um, There is freedom from all of it in Christ. And that's what we call you to come to. And the only time that you should ever listen to your feelings is if it's telling you that something's wrong. Right. And if you agree that something is wrong, then go to what is right, and that is Jesus Christ. Right. So. Find it, compare it to Scripture, right? Sola Scriptura, we always come back to that. Yeah. Um, all right, Nick, the image bearer, Thomas. Well, I hope you enjoyed this part one of our pilot uh, premiere episode. We're just setting foundations right now. Um, if you like what you've heard, please, please pass this around. Right. Uh, Share we, it. We love you all, and we hope that um, uh, that you've, uh, you've you were comfortable on the couch. Right. Yeah. Come back and take a seat with us next time. Bye. Bye.